I'm so delighted. I'm kind of going to repeat a little bit of what Elizabeth said. I'm so glad you could be here today, even though the weather outside is sort of frightful. <laughs> but we have no fires in here. It's too warm for that. But we have a lot of cheer, so I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're taking a break from the race. The race has begun, and the finish line is in sight, but I'm sure for many of us it still feels miles away. How many of you are involved, like me, in baking and wrapping? But I guess I have to do all my shopping first before I can wrap <laughs> and decorating. But before I can decorate my house, I have to finish those last home improvement projects so that my guests have a wonderful place to be hosted in. Um, and then I, I don't know if you do this, but I have li a list that I'm working from. This is my to-do list for the season. <laughs> they're working on it I think it's, it's just going to be a matter of time you'll hear this is all the fluff at the beginning so by the time we get we get to the good part there won't be any music I guarantee you um, but if you like me have a list you might even have more than one list because I have multiple lists and there's something so satisfying about having a list <laughs> Oh, there we go. There. Well, that was good because I actually don't have any jokes for you. So it's good we could just laugh at. Um, but if you're like me, you have a list and you really, is it, isn't there such a great sense of satisfaction and joy in crossing something off your list? I feel like, wow, I'm making progress. The finish line is in sight. Well, um, I'm going to add two more things to your list, which is totally antithetical to this event right here. So I want you to promptly forget it. And I want you to ignore what I'm saying. But there is that list at the back for Christmas Eve. If you feel motivated and um, as though you want to add something else to your list, if your list can bear one more thing, there's that. And then also this Monday is the ECW Bazaar at St. Luke's. And we tend to bring the ECW tends to bake and bring pound cakes. So if you feel so motivated that you have this time and you say, I'm make a mean pound cake and I want to donate it to the Episcopal Church women, then you can see Miriam Morris about that. Oh, good. Any Anything that comes in a loaf. That's good. I, there are a lot of things that come in a loaf. Well, so, I, and I want you to immediately forget that because this time here is not about crossing things off your list um, because we're here to receive, to receive um, some good food and good fellowship and then also to receive from God himself. And there's one thing about our spiritual life, and, and that is that our spiritual life cannot be described by a list, cannot be contained in a list. Unfortunately, there's no way to have a list or five like me and cross something off with God and say, well, check, I did that. I'm all set. I'm done for the day because um, what that does is it essentially puts God into a compartment in our lives and says, well, I can keep you, Lord God, under control. The creator of the universe is in my pocket and I can pull him out and say, well, I've got you. I've got it. I did it. Check. It's done. Um, so it, our spiritual life is something that's much vaguer than that. Um, and, it, and so we're going to look at that a little bit right now. Um, in coming here, thank you for coming here, come and instead of doing, come and be. And we're going to see how being is different than doing, how being with God is different than doing for God and expecting God to do things for us in return, tit for tat. 
Um, and one of the things that I think is so important about being and being in our lives and being in our lives with God in relation to God is that, um, and this is something that C.S. Lewis has confirmed for me. He actually, in the last six months, as I've been reviewing a lot of C.S. Lewis's works, I was really, I loved finding that he said that he really believes that some of the simplest pleasures in life, the little small things that make us smile and contribute to our overall well-being are actually really good spiritual things to do, even though they don't seem spiritual. And he talks about these simple pleasures as being things that are not usually, they're not usually the most expensive hobbies that we undertake, um, but they're the smallest thing that might make us smile. Just like putting out a bird feeder and getting to watch the birds while you sip your morning coffee or um, putting your fingers into the dirt in your garden to plant something or to weed the things you've already planted. Um, or it could just be um, that goal of making someone in your life have one of those great, wonderful, big belly laughs. Um, have you ever made someone laugh and you just think, oh, wow, that was the best thing ever. I didn't even mean to do that. I'm going to try to do that more often. It's just a simple joy that makes our lives better. And for me, I um, was in the midst of my great transition, moving here to Birmingham and looking at life and reevaluating life here in Birmingham. I realized that I'd been denying myself some of the simplest, inexpensive pleasures that just make me smile and that make my life so much better. And one of those simple pleasures is something that I have had a passion for my entire life. So when I was a very young child, it happened that my parents, being the older children in their own families, they um, they got married very young, and so we were all children that were old enough to remember all of the weddings of our aunts and uncles. So I remember at the very first wedding, my father picking me up and holding me in his arms while he danced with my mother. And then I remembered from there on out, my father would take turns around the dance floor at every family wedding. We were into good bands for the wedding. That was the one expense you had to do. You had to have a good band. And so we would, he would take each one of us around in turns around the ballroom floor. And I loved it. And I discovered that not only was my father a good dancer, but all of my uncles were as well, and my two very young living grandfathers. And so I, I barely sat down all night at one of these family weddings. I could say with Eliza Doolittle, I could have danced all night. And so when I was about age nine, after all of these family weddings, I was a very quiet and passive child, but I begged my mother. I begged her to let me take dance classes. And I wanted to take ballroom dance, but in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, they don't have ballroom dance classes for nine-year-old girls. So I ended up discovering tap and jazz and ballet, and I was a latecomer to it, but I loved it. I made up for it in skill um, with what I had in passion for it. Um, and it was something, it's something that's sort of fallen by the wayside as my life has gone on, as other things um, grip my attention and my time. And so this summer, it was really freeing for me to say, oh, wait, this is something that brings me joy. And this is something that I can do and reintroduce back into my life. So you can ask me some more about how I'm doing that right now. But, um, but for now, I started to ask myself, I said, well, what is it that I love about dance? What is it that brings me that simple joy and that simple pleasure? And I think it's something, as I thought about it, as I reflected on it, as I read about it, actually, and I'll tell you what I found out, um, I think it applies to music 
as well, and especially to choral singing, to singing together with other people, to dancing with other people, to listening to music. There's something about the rhythm of music and translated into dance that is good for our hearts, both literally and metaphorically. Did you know this? There's been a scientific study by a Scandinavian, he's Swedish, scientist whose name I cannot even begin to pronounce, and he has conducted this study where he monitored the heart rates of multiple individuals as they sang in a choir together. And as they sang, he said their heartbeats started to beat at the same pace. And generally, because the music was at a slower pace than their anxious hearts, their hearts calmed down and their emotions calmed down as they were tied up in this external rhythm, as their internal rhythm, the internal rhythm of their heartbeat was matched and drawn into this external rhythm outside of themselves. This internal rhythm of our own heartbeat too measures time, doesn't it? It measures the time of our lives. It measures the moments, moment by moment, day by day, year by year, the span of our lives are measured by the number of heartbeats that God has granted to us. So our heartbeat is, in a sense, that rhythm, that internal rhythm, and it matches, it mirrors that length of our life, that span that the Lord has given us, all that he's given us, all the good days, all the wonderful things he's given us over the span of these succession of heartbeats. And then when we are drawn into music and into dance, that heartbeat, our heartbeat, our very life itself is drawn outside of ourselves, and we're allowed to um, relax and to um, find our heartbeat drawn into an external rhythm, into something bigger and greater than ourselves. And so there is a very tangible personal example that I have of this, what this scientist has discovered, and that's that when I was in my early 20s, I often went out swing dancing. That's how I got my dance fix. And um, I went out with a group of friends, and one of my friends was a jazz musician, and he, jazz musicians are really good dancers because they, they don't even think about it, and they start to improvise, and it gets very dangerous when they start to improvise. I knew my steps from the class before the music started and before the band started playing, and so I got very nervous because here's my dance partner, and he is doing all these things that I don't know how to do. And so I was looking down at his feet, I was staring down at his feet, and my anxiety was rising, and he just stopped me. And he said, look at my eyes, not at my feet. And I thought, oh no, I don't know if I can look at his eyes, but I did. <laughs> and as I did, I calmed down, and my anxious rhythm, my fear, my anxiety about the steps was calmed down. The, the rhythm within me was drawn into his wonderful rhythm, and we were able to dance around the floor. My anxiety was lowered. I was calmer. And so um, there is this sense in which um, this calmness is something we desire, this freedom from anxiety, this rest. And so you might say, well, Deborah, what does this have to do with Christmas? And even more so, what in the world does this have to do with a little drummer boy? Well, there is um, a short scripture that we use very often, and if you're a member at the Advent or an Episcopalian, you might know from our liturgy, this will sound familiar, from Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me. It's an invitation from Jesus himself. And there's this modern paraphrase by the pastor Eugene Peterson, and a paraphrase is different than a translation. Paraphrase is let me take what's actually there and reimagine it and loosely translate it. Um, And he loosely translates this passage with new images. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. And this is Jesus saying this. Remember, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So our invitation from Jesus is to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, to allow our internal and erratic, anxious, self-righteous, human rhythm to be drawn up into that rhythm of divine grace. So if you know the lyrics to the Christmas song, which is a new song, if you know this, it happened after the after World War II in the 50s. Um, the Little Drummer Boy was a song that came out and with it was instantly popular. And it's based on a Czech carol that no one has figured out what that is, or Czech legend. But there's this legend that there was a poor little drummer boy who's invited along with the Magi to come with them to offer gifts to the newborn baby Jesus. And so the lyric says, come, come they told me, a newborn king to see, our finest gifts we bring, these are the Magi saying, to lay before the king, so to honor him when we come. So the little boy goes, and when he gets to the manger in Bethlehem, he realizes the truth of his situation. And he sings, baby Jesus, I am a poor boy too. I have no gifts to bring that are fit to lay before a king. The little drummer boy doesn't have frankincense, gold, or myrrh. These are all gifts that are fit for a king, but the little drummer boy only has empty hands. But he has an idea. Shall I play for you on my drum? What do you get for the person who has everything? Do you have someone on your list who has everything? I still have to get a gift for the one little boy in my life who doesn't need anything. He's got it all, and I have no idea what to get him. Well, what do you get for God? What do you get for the creator of the universe who has all things? Everything is his, the cattle on a thousand hills, and he has given to us the greatest gift of all in giving us Jesus and through Jesus bringing us back into relationship with him. And so we find that this little boy's question is our question, spiritually, the question we ask about God. What could we possibly give to the creator of all things? What does God want from us? What do you want from me, Lord? Um, And in the words of that gospel hymn, I have to say, like the drummer boy, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. We've got nothing. We come to our Lord, whether we imagine him and imagine ourselves kneeling at Jesus' feet at the manger or at the cross, as we kneel down and the manger and the cross are one and the same. 
um, because the one who deigned to die for us first gave up everything that was his by right, all power and authority, everything he had in heaven before the creation of the world, all the fellowship, even that closeness with the Father, Jesus gave that up to be born as a little baby in Bethlehem. And so the gift of God through Jesus begins with the manger and it ends with the cross and then the resurrection. And so um, that gift of Jesus through the cross, that gift of his atoning sacrifice by which we are right with God, by which our, our sins are forgiveness, that even begins with the manger. And so as we kneel at the manger, we're void of any righteousness of our own. We have no spiritual checklist where we can say, done. We fail in our own strength. But thanks be to God, um, God has given us Jesus for us as the best gift of all. So then what do we give back? We have nothing but our own gratitude and our very lives. We give nothing, and yet we give everything by allowing God to take the erratic rhythm of our own lives, our moments, our days, and our years, and training them, bringing them into those unforced rhythms of grace that are a part of his own life. And so um, God is essentially saying to us, don't look at my feet, look at my eyes. Come and dance with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And so we're like that little drummer boy. All we have is a rhythm and a beat. And we bring that to our Lord and we offer it before him. Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. <laughs> Please pray with me. Oh, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for that great gift, um, that love that you make manifest to us in the word made flesh, the word um, dying on a cross, rising to new life again, and bringing us, raising us one day from the dead even. We thank you for all that we have in him, for the forgiveness, for new life, for restoration and reconciliation, and for that, that resurrection at the last day, which will also be ours. And so until that day, we offer to you all that we have, which is no gift fit for a king, and yet a delight to give out of the gratitude of our hearts. And so we offer to you the rhythms of our, the rhythm of our days, uh, the rhythm of our lives, and we ask, teach us how to dance. Let us learn that unforced rhythm of grace. For your glory and for our benefit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Oh, by the way, if you um, want to hear this again, hey. <laughs> Or, or if you have a friend who you want to hear this, or if you want to come back tomorrow in your jeans and your t-shirt and your sweatshirt after doing whatever errands, you can join me at Cranmer House at 930 in Mountain Brook Village, and I'll be giving this talk again.